Welcome to the Wonder Women Tech Show, where we highlight, celebrate, and amplify women and BIPOC voices. We're bringing Wonder Women Tech to the airwaves. I'm your host, Lisa Mae Brunson. It's Lisa Mae Brunson with the Wonder Women Tech Show. So did you know what you wanted to be when you were three years old? Well, today's guest decided at three years old that she wanted to be an astronaut and told her father she wanted to be one of the first people who went to Mars. Alyssa Carson is an American space enthusiast. At 19 years old, Alyssa's list of accomplishments include attending seven space camps, three space academies, a robotics academy, and she is the youngest to graduate Advanced Space Academy. She has participated in multiple Sally Ride camps and has witnessed three space shuttle launches. What have we been doing with our lives? In 2012 and 2013, she furthered her education at Space Camp Turkey and Space Camp Canada, becoming the first person to attend all three NASA space camps in the world. Alyssa is also the first to compete, well, not compete, but complete the NASA passport program, visiting all 14 NASA visitor centers stretching across nine states. In January 2013, NASA invited her to be on the MER-10 panel in Washington, D.C. to discuss future missions to Mars live on NASA TV. She was later selected as one of seven ambassadors representing Mars One, a mission to establish a human colony on Mars in 2030. In October of 2016, Alyssa was the youngest to be accepted and graduate the Advanced Possum Academy, officially making her certified to go to space and an astronaut trainee. But more than anything, Alyssa is driven by an insatiable desire to live life to the fullest, to break through the ceiling of possibility, and make a positive and lasting impact on the world. Alyssa, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Okay, reading your bio was like reading the resumes of at least 10 astronauts. How in the world have you packed all of that into your young, amazing life? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, since I was little, I was fascinated with space, so I was always wanting to do something um, regarding space. And so pretty much kind of throughout the years, really what I've been doing has just been trying to build a resume or learn as much about space or gain as much experience as I could um, so that eventually when I apply to the astronaut selection process after college, um, hopefully I would have a pretty decent shot. Well, I'd say you have a a, a fantastic shot. I don't know anyone who has completed all of that by the age of 19. I mean, I think it's so phenomenal. And I've had a chance to talk to astronauts and and folks, and definitely I've not seen all of these space camps and things happening. So you are definitely off to a fantastic start, Alyssa. So you are the only child of a single father. So please share with us what your childhood was like uh, living in Louisiana. 
Yeah, I mean, totally growing up in Louisiana, um, everything was pretty normal. Um, I'm definitely like full southern Louisianian, love like my good Louisiana food. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, growing up, growing up was, I guess, pretty normal. Um, obviously, I had my interest in space. No one in my family really had any sort of space or science background. Um, so that's why, like, when I started asking my dad questions about space and about Mars, he told me just a little bit he knew about missions to the moon. Um, but really nothing beyond that, and so that's kind of why I started asking for books and videos and posters and really anything to start learning about space. Um, but honestly, it was really amazing because my dad was super supportive and wanted to do everything with me. Um, basically, the way my dad saw it was that he had lived um, his fun, amazing life, and he was ready to just kind of dedicate his time to me. So that was really awesome um, just because obviously he had work and stuff, but he was also able to come and go to the different space camps with me um, and things like that. So kind of having that support was really important. I mean, who really has like handy knowledge of like mission flights to the moon uh, in their deck of knowledge, right? So at three years old, you made a bold declaration to go to space. So what were the inspirations, if you recall, that made you feel so strongly about your destiny? Yeah, so really, I mean, uh, me and my dad don't really know for sure what kind of sparked me asking so many questions about space, um, and more specifically, really our best guess that we always kind of fall back on is that it was an episode of The Backyardians, which was a cartoon that used to play on Nickelodeon. Basically, these friends would go in their backyard every episode, and they would have this imaginary adventure to, you know, um, a jungle, the pyramids in Egypt, a mission to Mars, things like that. Um, and so I had the poster of that episode, The Backyard yard against mission to mars hung up in my bedroom um so that's really the only place we can think of as to where i would have heard the word mars to begin with um <laughs> and what would have really like led me towards asking questions about mars and space um so yeah that's really our best guess but honestly we don't know for sure well i mean you know we as young i mean three is super young i mean i started reading at three so i i get it like if you if you have that inclination to you know I guess, be smarter at a younger age, you do have varied interests. Like I was obsessed actually with space too. So we kind of have that going for, for us in terms of commonalities, but I did not, you know, I did not go to any space camps. I actually grew up in um, Las Cruces, New Mexico and Alamogordo. So there's a space hall of fame there um, and white sands. And so you know, I definitely I was just there. That is so really? funny. I was just there like a day ago. Are you serious? Oh my God. Tell me <laughs> <Yeah>. about that. <laughs> Tell me about that. Cause we grew yeah, up going, you know, in school, like those were our field trips. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. I was just over there literally a couple days ago. I just got back to Florida. Um, but yeah, I was over there and I went to the Museum of Space History that's in the Alamogordo and then we went over to White Sands for a little bit um, But yeah, it was just like a really fast like weekend thing um, But yeah, that's so funny that that's <laughs> where you grew up. Yeah, it is I mean, I love how you're just like oh, it was a it was just a weekend thing I popped over to Alamogordo, New Mexico from Florida and went and visited <laughs> the muse space museum I love that. I mean your dad I imagine is your biggest cheerleader, of course. So what was one of the first things he did to support you on your journey? 
Um, definitely like the biggest thing. I mean, of course, like my dad would bring me to the library and stuff to get books and stuff about space. But I guess the first time I was really like realizing how supportive he was really being was definitely like the first time I went to space camp. Just because me and my dad did a parent child or like a family camp, I think is what they call it now. Um, but basically, it was a long weekend for like my age that I was at. So um, me and my dad spent like the whole long weekend, but my dad was like in the simulators doing like all the stuff that I was doing, um, learning all the facts about space history along with me. So um, I think that was really cool just to kind of like see him kind of in um, what I was interested in and wanting to learn more and doing all the crazy stuff as well. So that was that was definitely super fun. So how old were you and where was this? Where, where was your first camp, space camp? Yeah, so the first time I went to space camp, I was seven, and basically it is the, pretty much all the space camps, um, for the most part, are um, at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, that's so cool. I really love your dad. I want to give him a hug. <laughs> <laughs> so you're also known by the call sign Blueberry. What is that about? And, and tell us a little bit about what is a call sign. Yeah, so basically call signs kind of origin originated kind of in the military, especially with like fighter jet pilots. Um, and so it was just kind of like a joke they would all have around. Pretty much the call sign is a nickname, but it has to be given to you. Um, and typically it is just about some stupid or funny story um, that happens. Uh, that's why usually they're like kind of weird, not really like your typical kind of nicknames. And you also can't really like pick anything cool. Um, but basically when astronauts first start happening, the majority of astronauts were fighter jet pilots from the military um, and so they kind of kept their call signs as they went into the astronaut corps and then that kind of continued on into ast the astronaut corps in general um, but pretty much my call sign um, is blueberry and really the reason for that was because basically the second time I went to space camp um, which again in Huntsville and all and I was probably around eight this time um, but I wanted one of the blue flight suits that I saw everyone wearing but I was too small to fit in any of the actual ones that they had so my dad ended up finding whatever just a little knockoff one that I'd be able to wear um, but it was a really just dark shade of blue and just really not the right color and so everyone told me I looked like a blueberry when I was wearing it so for the rest of the time at space camp they would say oh blueberry do this so oh, blueberry do that um, and so that was that I kind of moved on and then when I came back again the next year I had a lot of people oh look it's blueberry and it just kept happening <laughs> um, and so I eventually just took it as a call sign um, just because I couldn't get away from it <laughs> that's a way of like turning you know sort of like chiding into a power sign really <laughs> so when you do go to mars will you still keep that call sign um, probably so. I mean, I feel like I'm just pretty used to it at this point. So, I mean, I wouldn't want to get stuck with something worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel, like, I feel like blueberry isn't like the best, but like it isn't the worst that I could have gotten. So, um, yeah, I'd probably just want to stick with it. Yeah, I love it. I, I, th I think it's, a, I think it's whimsical and fun. So I would definitely say rocket, rocket. So, you know, you have designated yourself as, um, you know, training for, uh, training to be one of the first people to go to Mars. So kind of share with us, first of all, why? <laughs> like, what, 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 what was it about, like, I really want to go to Mars, you know, versus like the moon or just 
just being an astronaut and just hanging out in the atmosphere, or, you know, conducting, um, you know, shorter term space missions. What is it about Mars that you're so attracted to? Yeah, well, definitely when I was younger, Mars was really just kind of like the first place I really learned about. Um, and so when my dad kind of mentioned that no one had been to Mars before, I was really, it was just really kind of like the basic curiosity of, oh, well, if no one's ever been there, then what is there? Um, why not go kind of thing? Um, but definitely just kind of now where I'm at, just kind of with the timeline of things, I definitely just kind of line up with a mission to Mars. Um, and just to kind of like clarify, if I was like an astronaut, astronaut, um, I wouldn't necessarily be able to like choose which mission I go on. So like I can't say no, I only want to go to Mars. So <laughs> I definitely would not turn down a mission to somewhere else. I'd be more than happy doing that. Um, but yeah, kind of just in the time frame of things, you know, by the time I'm graduated through school, um, at the point to where I'm actually applying to be an astronaut and all of that, it would just kind of line up a little bit with the missions to Mars. Um, and then also kind of like the science and major that I've chosen to go into, which is astrobiology. Um, and that's pretty big on Mars as well so it all just kind of like ties in um, but like I said I would be more than happy to do any other sort of mission as well um, and really I think especially as I've gotten older it's definitely shifted just from a curiosity of Mars to kind of just me wanting to support or benefit the space industry in any way that I can so if that's from a mission to Mars or from something else um, that's fine I just really want to contribute in any way um, that I can with my strengths. You know, I, I really love listening to how passionate you are about, you know, just making this happen for yourself. You know, when you apply, you've pretty much, I hope, I'm just, dare I say it, guaranteed a spot. Uh, I know some folks at NASA. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I'm sure you are already, you know, preparing as much as you possibly can prepare. But can you share with us, you know, at what age did you start training um, you know, for a Mars mission, should you go on one? And what does that process look like for the rest of us who are stuck on Earth and don't know <laughs> anything about what it looks like? Yeah, so I mean, definitely when I was younger, um, I definitely just like went to camps and things like that, which um, is all just kind of like summer camps, nothing like too serious in terms of like, I would say training. It's really just a camp that any kid can go to to learn more about space. Um, but definitely when I joined Project Possum is kind of when I started doing more realistic trainings. Um, so I joined Project Possum when I was 15. And kind of to give you an idea, Project Possum is pretty much just a private citizen science research organization which pretty much just means a whole bunch of everyday people um, taking time out of their everyday life to come and contribute to science and do research in some way. Um, so everything that we do is for research. Um, however, it's also a lot of really amazing experiences that are really similar to training that astronauts actually do. So uh, for example, doing microgravity flights, so actually going up in an airplane and simulating microgravity, having the opportunity to float and feel that sensation. Um, that was a really amazing experience. I've also done like water our survival training, G-force training. We also work a lot with spacesuits, so wearing actual real spacesuits, swimming in spacesuits, testing spacesuits, um, doing a lot of different things like that. So that's been really amazing. Um, decompression training, different things like that. Um, so basically with them, whenever I have time, of course, school kind of comes first, but whenever I have the opportunity, just really being able to go out and uh, participate in any of their research campaigns, just because it's really amazing. Um, 
it's really amazing just kind of experiences for my resume but also it's also contributing to something larger because you, we are learning a lot um, as we do all of these different things so that's kind of where the majority of my training has come from so it's all just kind of been through just this private company um, and like I said it's a really awesome organization just because it's a huge international organization um, that really anyone can join if you just apply so it's really awesome to just kind of see so many people from so many different disciplines all kind of coming together to um, talk about space and science. That's really cool. I mean, I'm inspired by your passion. I'm inspired by, you know, how excited you are to like thrust yourself into these kinds of trainings and activities. I mean, are you, you know, as you go deeper into your career path, you're going to have to do, you know, a lot more of this stuff and, and get more, uh, you know, exposed to uh, more challenging um, environments and situations. Are you ever afraid? And I think I already know the answer, but, you know, are you ever afraid thinking about what you've gotten yourself into? Because you are t undertaking quite the incredible mission. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would say, I mean, I'm kind of the kind of person that probably gets like a little afraid of things just like the first time I do it. But then after I do it one time, I'm like ready to do it over and over again. Um, so for me, it's really just like pushing through the first time. So for example, um, again, with the water survival, we had to like step off of this pretty tall platform um, and they told us like the right like position to keep our bodies to make sure everything was okay. Um, but I knew for sure that if I stopped and looked over the edge and saw how high up I was, I probably would kind of like take a while and freak out. So I just kind of just walked off. I didn't think about it. I just like went through it. Um, and basically just it's kind of for me just pushing through that first level of fear. But then like once I do it one time, I'm like, okay, like I'll live through this. I'm okay. Um, and then I'm up to doing it over and over again. And so I definitely think that that's really kind of been the challenge with me is just once just having people around me to be able to push me through that first time is kind of really important. And then after that, I'm kind of ready to do it anytime after that. I think that's just such a rich metaphor for, you know, like diving right into something you love, you know, like don't look down, just leap off, you know, take that leap of faith. And I think that's just really, you know, especially coming from someone, um, you know, at just 19 who has this great wisdom to share. I mean, I, I really have been inspired, you know, just reading about you and also, you know, sharing this time with you and really being immersed in your spirit, Alyssa. I think it's, I think it's special. I think you're a special young lady. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> So tell us some fun facts about uh, Mars and the mission to Mars. You know, how, you know, what ha have you learned about what that journey would look like? You know, this frozen expanse of dark and deathly emptiness. <laughs> um, and like, you know, how long would it take round trip to get, you know, from Earth to Mars and back? Yeah, so right now the plan is to start going to Mars in the early 2030s. Um, there is a new rocket, the SLS Space Launch System, that has been built to actually send us to Mars. So the first one of those rockets has been completely built and is hopefully going to start be doing launches and testings by the end of this year. So that's definitely something to look out for. Um, also a new capsule, the Orion capsule was also built, which is implemented on top of the new rocket. Um, is that the but Artemis, right? The Artemis? Yes, yeah, so... 
Yeah, so the whole idea is that this rocket will be used for Artemis and then eventually for Mars as well. So um, the Artemis program is kind of like that first step. Uh, it also kind of involves a lot of just like testing, you know, making sure we can get to the moon at least and then back um, and then kind of using those same components to go to Mars. But yeah, it's all kind of involved in the same thing. Um, with the Artemis program is kind of the idea of going back to the moon, which will actually happen in the late 2020s. So that's going to be happening in the next few years. So that will be super exciting to see. Um, and yeah, really with the mission to Mars, um, the plan is that it will take around six months to get from Earth to Mars. Astronauts will then live on the planet, do science, um, kind of spend time there. Also, a lot of their time is really just going to be kind of like housekeep, you know, changing air filters, that kind of thing, um, but also science as well. Um, and then uh, basically spending a good bit of time, probably a little over a year on Mars, and then again, six to nine months back. A lot of the numbers kind of change a lot you kind of have to think a little big picture here but um, basically the reason why these numbers or how long uh, the mission actually takes kind of changes and can kind of change by year is just because basically Earth and Mars orbit around the Sun that means that sometimes Mars is closer and sometimes Mars is further away and that's because the planets don't orbit in perfect circles they orbit in kind of like ovalish shapes called ellipticals um, so that basically means that sometimes Mars is really close to us and sometimes it's really really far from us um, so basically we would have to launch when Mars is kind of coming up to that very close point and then we kind of have to wait on Mars until it comes back to that nice close point for us to be able to come home um, so it's kind of very very depending on what's happening with the <laughs> oh, I need to take a deep breath with that one. I mean, I just saw all kinds of movies in my head of <laughs> these missions. I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of Marvel movies. And usually when people go to deep space, by the time they come back, like all these years have passed on Earth. Like, would that be true with this mission? Um, so technically Mars Mars time um, is slightly different from Earth time. Um, however, it's really not that big of a difference that it's not like too big of a difference that we would actually consider it. Um, so it's definitely not going to be we'll come back and everyone we've ever known is gone or anything quite that dramatic. Um, so pretty much on Earth, you know, our typical day, 24 hours. On Mars, it's about 24 hours and 30 minutes. Um, so you get about an extra 30 minutes on average. Um, so really, it's not that big of a difference that it will actually make a change especially since we will only be there for let's say we'll be on Mars for a year it's really not going to be um, too big of a change we're also not gonna like age super fast or anything like that um, no big no big dramatic uh, movie things happening <laughs> <laughs> but you know but the, the the dangers are real right and so you know as Elon Musk said you know people may not even come back are you worried about that um, yeah, so of course there's still a lot of dangers with the mission to Mars, um, kind of in space in general, there's a lot of dangers, um, and there's still a lot of stuff that's being figured out for the mission to Mars. So some of like the bigger problems that we're kind of facing right now is, um, first of all, radiation levels, making sure the astronauts stay protected. Um, Mars doesn't have nearly as thick of an atmosphere, so we have less protection from radiation while we're actually on Mars. Um, also, just kind of food supply. Um, there's a lot of different ideas of growing our own food just because 
because trying to kind of haul that much food for that many people um, would just kind of be a lot and so uh, uh, rockets can only hold so much so kind of food supply is another thing and then also really just keeping um, the body kind of healthy while they're on the mission so for example um, when you are in space and in microgravity your bones and your muscles actually get weaker just because even though you might be sitting down right now um, not really doing anything too physical your bones and your muscles are still working they're still fighting gravity so when you go to space they're no longer fighting gravity so they just start your muscles and your bones just think oh why be strong if I don't really need that strength so they actually weaken so that's why exercise is really really important um, so for the mission to Mars, there's just going to be a lot of different gravity changes to kind of think about going from Earth to microgravity to Mars gravity and then all the way back around. Um, it's just kind of a lot of changes. And then in terms of like a one-way mission, um, there have been several companies kind of mentioned a one-way mission before. Um, NASA has kind of said that they do not do one-way missions, so they are anticipating a return. Um, I definitely think that in the long run, um, the first missions will most likely have a return. Um, I can't see us not wanting to bring a lot of that science back here and continuing to do research here. We can only bring so much with us to Mars. Um, I think eventually the idea would be maybe to have longer missions, more permanent missions, but I also think at the same time that when once we get to that point, our technology is going to be more advanced, so the travel time will also be shorter. Um, so that's kind of a few things to keep in mind. Well, you can definitely tell that you've done your homework, Alyssa. <laughs> <laughs> because I think I've learned more from you in, in these few minutes than I have really ever been exposed to. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, a really interesting point to mention. You know, I definitely think a big thing that really got me into talking and speaking about space and kind of Mars and then um, eventually kind of speaking more to kids in general. But what really got me into speaking was because I kind of saw that um, that there's kind of a level of divide just between like what is actually happening in the space program and then what the public knows what's happening. I just definitely think there's just that gap there. And so um, being able to kind of merge that and teach people about what's actually happening in space and what the plans are for space um, has been really amazing. Yeah, because I imagine a lot of us, I mean, we are the byproduct of what we're exposed to. And so when we're exposed to these films that really, you know, give us the, the nightmares and, and, you know, misinformation, it's really, you know, there's like these nefarious, uh, you know, reasons why we're going to space or what have you. Um, it's really refreshing to hear your perspective and, and, and your experiences, um, you know, through being educated about these kinds of missions and, and science and research and the importance of those um, happening. Um, so thank you so much for showing up in that way. And so with that, I'm going to take a break. We're going to listen to today's Pioneering Women in STEAM segment. Today's pioneering woman is Dolores Huerta. Dolores Huerta is an activist and labor leader who has worked to improve social and economic conditions for farm workers and to fight discrimination. To further her cause, she created the Agricultural Workers Association, AWA, 
1960 and co-founded what would become the United Farm Workers, UFW. She set up voter registration drives and lobbied politicians to allow non-U.S. citizen migrant workers to receive public assistance and pensions, and also to provide Spanish language voting ballots and driver's tests. She received the Ellis Island Medal of Freedom Award and was inducted in the National Women's Hall of Fame in 1993. Huerta stepped down from the UFW in 1999, but she continues her efforts to improve the lives of workers, immigrants, and women. Thank you for your pioneering contributions, Dolores Huerta. Innovators, we are back with Alyssa Carson talking about space academies, missions to Mars, how to train yourself to take space flight, and of course, it's all about the call sign and being a blueberry. So, Alyssa, by now we can all agree you are definitely a space enthusiast. I think you are one of the most astronaut of astronauts if such a thing exists. So who are some of your astronaut role models and have you gotten to meet any of them? Yeah, you know, I've definitely had the opportunity to meet so many amazing astronauts and I absolutely just love being able to hear from other astronauts um, just kind of throughout my life just because they are so inspiring and they definitely paved the way for um, people like me who are interested in getting into um, the field one day and so I think that's really amazing. Definitely one of my biggest role models was actually astronaut Sandra Magnus. Um, she was a female shuttle astronaut and I had the opportunity to meet her when I was nine and so Basically, in Louisiana, they had this little, like, fair, um, kind of just like this science fair, and she was speaking there, and so I got to talk to her after her little presentation, and I really just kind of asked her, you know, when she decided to become an astronaut, and she told me she was around nine or so when she decided, but she really inspired me and made me realize that it didn't matter the age that I had decided to do this, if it's something that I really wanted to do, then I could work hard, and then eventually make it a reality, and so actually seeing her and seeing someone who had done that was super inspiring for me to kind of keep working towards it, and definitely made my dream feel a lot more tangible. Yeah, I mean, I love that you've been able to meet your role models. Are are there in, do you have any mentors? Um, I mean, definitely, like, throughout the years, there's been so many people who have been very helpful, um, you know, just kind of in terms of, like, getting advice, you know, a lot of the time, when you talk about uh, kind of applying to be an astronaut, there really aren't that many, like, requirements, so basically, you have to have a master's degree in any sort of STEM field, anything that you really want, and then a few years of work experience, and then you have to pass the physical, but beyond that, it's really up to you, and so definitely, like, when I was younger, it was really interesting just to kind of hear, um, there's been many people along the way who've just kind of given their advice, you know, and possibly look at getting your pilot's license just to have something extra, even if you aren't wanting to be a pilot, or maybe try scuba diving, or um, just little, like, tips like that in terms of, like, skills that I could start working on when I was younger that could actually be beneficial in the future. So that's been really amazing to kind of have, um, you know, the select few along the way really give their best tips. Yeah. I mean, it's so important to have those kinds of checkpoints along the way of your journey, because I imagine, 
you know, as you mentioned earlier, like some things have shifted. Um, have Is there any big, you know, sort of difference that you've made in, in, in you know, from your original plan to now? Um, uh, yes, I would definitely say that there's been some changes. Um, uh, when I was younger, I guess when I was younger, I really, um, was able to kind of like through space camp a little bit, figure out like what kind of astronaut I would want to be. Um, and just because there we had like simulated missions, we got to play the role of like different astronauts. Um, but basically I kind of decided that I wanted to be more of like a mission specialist, some sort of research scientist. Um, but definitely I had no idea like within that what I would study really um so kind of like switching around and now me ending up in astrobiology was kind of like the biggest shift I would say um just because it's definitely opened my mind to a lot of like different kinds of like research that I would be able to do um whereas before it was just kind of like some sort of mission specialist but I wasn't really sure what I didn't even know that there was a such thing as like different kinds of astronauts (laughs) oh yeah yeah pretty much like throughout like the mission you would or on a specific mission you would essentially have a commander a pilot um the commander is kind of like the lead head pilot is kind of right below them they both are kind of in charge of more like flying the flying the spaceship um mainly just kind of the leaders but then kind of below that you would have mission specialists payload specialists um you would possibly have some sort of like Uh, medical uh, specialist or some sort of like flight surgeon or something like that just not necessarily that we're performing surgery in space but um, just basically someone capable of doing any sort of medical um, procedures that might be necessary Uh, again all just in case and then also we do a lot of medical just kind of science and research in general so typically that person would be in charge of you know doing research on a certain disease or something in microgravity there's a lot of different roles. Yeah, I guess you would need all of those people. (laughs) You know, we talked about you growing up with your dad. Um, So how has he adapted to your various interests and desires to go to like these camps? I mean, you just mentioned, you know, you hopped over to New Mexico for a weekend. Um, You know, so like, how has he adapted to all of this? Yeah, um, my dad has been really awesome at kind of like adapting and kind of helping me and everything that I've done. I've definitely like become another job for him. Um, so that's really <laughs> great. It definitely adds more to his plate. But no, um, honestly, it's been really amazing just to kind of have him and like um, the support and then also just being able to like travel with him and do all the different things I have done just kind of with him along the way. Um, not only just to have the support, but also it's been really awesome just to kind of build the memories just like with my dad and going to some many amazing places and doing so many amazing things so that's kind of been uh, definitely the best part of it is just kind of building those memories it's it's so powerful to have somebody so in your corner you know what I mean like to have someone that not only roots for you but like helps you build your dreams and you definitely have that Alyssa so you have a full roster of activities but is there anything else that you do for hobbies Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely totally live like a totally normal life as well. I'm pretty much just an average college student most of the time. Of course, all of like the extracurricular space stuff is just kind of whenever I have free time. Um, And then especially currently, like during the pandemic, it's definitely been hard. I haven't been able to go out and do, um, you know, microgravity flights or anything like that. So it's definitely been a lot more just kind of mundane here lately. But um, but yeah, pretty much just the normal life of a college student, homework, 
classes. Um, I also have a puppy who's a big part of my life. I got him over the quarantine, Aww. so that's been really enjoyable. Um, and also pretty hefty on, like, just time. He's very needy. Um, <laughs> what kind of puppy is he? Um, I got a beagle. Um, his name's Toby. He's Aww. he's nine months now, so uh, definitely a lot better from when he was six weeks. He was definitely a pain, <laughs> but uh, it was definitely an enjoyable process. And then also, you know, just having time to hang out with my roommates, friends, anything like that. Um, getting to go to the gym every now and then on campus. I'm going to classes. Um, yeah, but like I said, really just kind of hanging out with my roommates here, watching movies, things like that. You know, we're we at Wonder Women Tech, you know, we're so passionate about humanizing our role models. And I love that you are one of our young role models, you know, um, someone that we can ensure, you know, that our future generations got it covered, right? But also that our younger generations can look up to. Um, and we love being vulnerable on this show. So I would love you, Alyssa, to share something with us that you have never shared with anyone else before? Um, well, let's see. I'm trying to think. Um, well, I guess something I haven't shared. So I'm currently not doing good in math right now. Um, kind of failing my math class at the moment. Oh I guess gosh. like I've never told anyone that. Um, <laughs> now you just told but, everybody. Now everyone knows. It's okay. I'll try to bring it up. I'll try to bring it up. But um, yeah, no, definitely. I, I would definitely think, you know, it's really important. Just kind of like remember, although I think um, it's, I'm sorry, I'm going through so many thoughts right now. Um, I think in general, like a lot of people would assume, especially people within the STEM and space industry, is that, you know, we're all just like really, really smart all the time. And that's definitely not the case. Um, you know, especially for me, even when I was younger, I mean, school wasn't necessarily the the easiest at all you know I was very like average just in school um, and you know within space I was able to excel because it was something I was really interested in so like space history I could talk about all day long but like everyday history or like American history I, you know I'm very iffy um, and so I definitely think that it's really important that you know we excel at what we want to excel at and excel at what we're interested in um, but definitely you know you don't have to be perfect or fully intelligent about any and every subject um, you know even within you know college I've definitely learned that you know there's been a lot of different classes that have definitely been way more of a struggle you know especially like my math class right now has um, been a really big struggle um, the teacher it can be you know a little difficult to fully uh, comprehend sometimes and get the concepts down so I mean there's always going to be those times that you're struggling and what you feel like you should be good at and so it's really important to kind of just keep on trucking through um, just because you will get there it's just all about um, putting and the hard work and then also just finding people to kind of help you to really get through those tough times. Oh, and I can so relate because I suck at math. Um, but, I, <laughs> but I know that eventually you're going to need those credits. So I do hope that you're able to get a tutor or do whatever you need. And I, actually, I already know that you will do whatever it takes to make sure that you will get it done. It will work out eventually. <laughs> That's the <point. laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. You know, I, I it, it does. It, it's so cool that you did because I, I think that is such an important revelation to have 
um, as you mentioned, you know, when you're in STEM, when you get into these fields, when you are an engineer, um, you do automatically assume that people are just equipped with the intelligence to make, you know, to do those kinds of things. But it, no matter what, you have to put in the work and there are going to be challenges along the way and they could be academic for sure. You still have a lot of life to live. But as you look ahead, would you take the easy road or the road less traveled by and why? Um, I mean, I would definitely say, I guess, just kind of going along. I'm definitely, I guess, just say the road less traveled by. I mean, I want to go to space. That's not pretty easy or typical. So <laughs> um, I definitely would say I, uh, I do enjoy just kind of like adventure and like seeing things. Um, you know, one of the amazing parts about all the stuff that I've been able to do so far is just the amount of travel I've been able to do here on Earth as well. Um, you know, being able to see so many different countries and cultures has been really uh, amazing especially for my age and so um, yeah I'm all about wanting to just like seek out everything um, and just kind of learn what I can and appreciate a lot of the different aspects I definitely think that when you start thinking about space and kind of like beyond just like our planet you kind of look back and appreciate a lot of different things that you may not have otherwise about earth but um, but yeah definitely wanting to just take in as much as I can um, of you know the amazing planet that we do live on Oh, I love that. Really taking a moment to just appreciate where you are right now. You know, Alyssa, after seeing how dedicated you are to your vision, I have no doubt you will one day get to Mars. It is an honor to have shared this time with you, Alyssa. I cannot wait to see how your career will unfold in the years ahead. You know, we're going to keep watching you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for being here, innovators. We'll see you next week when we take on the world one more time.